0: over trophy to the Golden Knights.
1: boy oh boy we may be back well we've always been back but welcome back we do ball podcast everybody my name is ryan welcome to episode 68 i believe yeah 68 one episode away from just absolute magic man just the best number available i don't know we may try to get somebody on you know maybe try to reach out Get some uh, inside scoop. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Probably nothing, but we'll, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what'll happen.
0: Welcome. October 23rd. We are eight days. Right? is my math correct there? Well, if it's the 23rd, Ryan,
1: and October 31st, Is Tuesday next week, then yes, eight days away. An idiot, man. Halloween, eight days away from Halloween. And we're also just, we're in
0: the thick of it. We are in the thick of it. With football, with hockey, MLB playoffs, basketball's on its way back. Here
1: we go. It's time to go. Best time of the year. Best time of the year. I said it last week, and you know what? I'm going to take the time again today to repeat myself and make sure everyone's clear on this because I don't know if it really hit the mark last week, and I don't know
0: if it's as relevant or was as relevant last week, but I'll let you know right now this week. And it may be the hottest take we've dropped on this show, but I've got Halloween
1: as a top three holiday on the entire calendar. I know that's a hot take. And trust me, I'm a big summertime holiday guy. Love me a good 4th of July. Love me a good Memorial Day. But number one holiday on the calendar has got to be Thanksgiving has to be oh my god what a holiday number two holiday i would say christmas but not everyone celebrates that and that's okay so i'll go with the week from december 25th to new year's day i'll count that as a full holiday and i'll put that number two on my list get down to number three it's halloween and I think it's more than just the holiday itself, right? It's, it's also what the holiday stands for, getting the kids out, getting the parents, taking the kids trick-or-treating, get a couple uh, social sparklers for the parents as they take the kids around the neighborhood. You've You know on October 31st, you're going to have the World Series on the tube. You're going to have football. You're going to have hockey and basketball right around the corner or already started it's the best time of the year for the holiday itself and what it signifies and i'll take that one to my grave i got halloween top three holiday i don't think there's an argument
0: against that okay on that topic on that topic right We're coming down to, and this is what we're going to start the show off with pretty
1: darn hot, right into the gates. We'll go over the scores here in a second, go a little bit different direction than what we normally do. Normally, we go to college football, go down the rankings list of how each team performed, right? Starting at the top of the rankings all the way down, give the scores, give some hot takes, did the same thing with the NFL, and usually... Touch on some other sports with baseball, obviously. The playoffs going on. That's we'll, we'll get there. But right now, I think unquestionably the story of the sporting weekend in that second to last weekend of October, the 21st for college football and the 22nd for the NFL, unquestioned story of the entire weekend for sports was the officiating. It was horrible. It was horrible. There's like five different examples of just horrendous officiating. You hate for that to even be a part of the narrative or a part of the story when you go over the scores and you reflect on how these teams performed. But the referees and the officiating was so bad all weekend long that they force us to talk about it in these situations. On Saturday, as an Alabama fan, I'll tell you directly
0: Tennessee had some horrendous calls go against them. You got Minnesota and Iowa
1: with a miraculous punt return for a touchdown for Iowa that would have given them the lead and the win. And the refs call some sort of phantom fair catch, even though it bounced. And if it was a fair catch, but he caught it on the bounce, it shouldn't have been able to return it. Okay. And then all day Sunday, all day on Sunday, every game had just horrible, horrible,
0: horrible, horrible officiating, terrible, terrible officiating. It was a bad weekend. October 21st, October 22nd. It was a bad weekend for the crowd that
1: claims football to some degree isn't influenced by the officials. Or isn't rigged. I'm not saying that football is rigged. I don't think it is rigged. I don't think the NFL is rigged. I don't think college football
0: is rigged. But when you have a punt return to win the game just wiped off the board for Iowa on just a phantom random fair catch call. Uh, okay. You've got a random kickoff phantom fair catch call for Tennessee against Alabama. On
1: Sunday, you've got the Browns getting handed a win on a silver platter by the referees. Multiple horrendous calls in the red
0: zone to basically gift the Browns a touchdown and uh, ultimately win the game against the Colts. You've got Kenny Pickett going for it on fourth down and coming up like
1: a full yard short. And the referee's just giving him the first down. Oh, it's over two minutes. You can't challenge it. But now it's under two minutes. But the Rams didn't have a timeout. Uh, that's really weird. How about Bijan Robinson? Not as much related to the referees, but I think, arguably, in that same ballpark of what the hell is going on? What did What did the guy have a stomach
0: bug? He had one carry for three yards. What's going on, dude? What is happening? Arthur Smith gets asked about it. Head coach of the Falcons. Um. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. This guy yeah, is just not feeling good. Huh? What? I didn't have
1: any gambling money on Bijan Robinson. None of his player props, nothing. I have him in a couple fantasy leagues, and yeah, it was definitely frustrating. And I guess the teams don't have to disclose everything going on. But videos of Bijan and warmups. guy looks fine. And also, most football players you know, when they aren't feeling great, they usually go over to the uh,
0: back of the sideline, they throw up, and then they go play football. So to recap, it was a bad weekend. For the, oh, football's not rigged crowd. Oh, you guys are
1: conspiracy theorists crowd. You've got phantom fake fair catch call. Phantom fair catch call for Iowa. Wipes off a touchdown, they lose the game. Phantom kickoff fair catch call for Tennessee. You've got horrendous, and let me repeat that, horrendous officiating in the Browns and Colts game, handing the Browns the game-winning score at
0: the end with just horrible officiating. Terrible calls. Kenny Pickett coming up a full yard short on a QB sneak
1: on fourth down that essentially sealed the game for the Steelers. Full yard short. Uh, I know that we could do about it. Yeah, we're not going to look at it either. What? B. John Robinson
0: just not playing. He didn't feel good. That's not a good enough excuse. Why didn't he play? What's going on? And then Sunday Night Football. Oh, boy. Now, I'm not even the
1: Dolphins. I'm not a fan of the Dolphins or the Eagles. But there were at least three calls in that game that weren't called by the referees that would have benefited the the Miami Dolphins. And then the roughing the passer on Jalen Hurts from Christian Wilkins. Oh, boy. The officials did a Horrible job, and it's all right in front of us. Everyone
0: can see it. I'm not saying football is rigged. I don't think it is, but it's getting a lot harder for
1: the people who defend the NFL as a true outcome product, or they they defend referees, or they say things aren't rigged and there's no gambling influence. It's getting a lot harder for those people to like defend themselves because you watch the game and you're like, dude, this is. This is horrendous. The Dolphins are getting screwed. And it's not just one call here and there. It's not one call in the first quarter, one call in the third quarter, one call in the second quarter. It's like in crunch time, critical plays to give teams first downs or non calls that would have significantly impacted yardage gained outcome of the game that just Referees are like, I didn't see anything. I mean, Dolphins got a receiver run down the sideline, and he gets his face mask ripped by the DB. As the ball's coming down, ref's like, that is as clean as it comes, man. Dude, what are you talking about? Jalen Hurts gets
0: pushed by Christian Wilkins. That is roughing the passer. What are you talking about? refs just calling pass interference against the Colts with the Browns in the red zone as the ball
1: lands 12 yards behind the end zone literally 12 yards behind the end zone or the play before that as the Colts get a strip sack to essentially seal the game and the refs called illegal contact on a DB for the Colts. You tell me. Go see that. F- go see the highlight. You tell me if that's illegal contact. It's almost like the referees wanted the Browns to win. It's almost like what
0: it is. Now, I'm not claiming that's the case. But it's almost like the referees
1: wanted the Eagles to win for one reason or another. And again, probably not. We're all probably jumping to a crazy conclusion. That's probably not valid at all. But it's because the officiating was so bad throughout the entire weekend that that's, that's the only, not the only, That's the conclusions that people end up jumping to because it it was historically one of the worst officiated
0: football weekends I can remember in my life. So, officiating in both college and the NFL needs to be better. It
1: needs to be better. People say, oh... These guys are watching
0: in real time. You get the benefit of slow motion. Um, yeah, I don't really care. Be better. Because I know they watch it in real time and we get slow-mo after,
1: but there are calls that happen or non-calls that happen that I see right away as I'm watching the game on TV, as it unfolds. And the refs just miss it. They just miss the calls. They either don't throw the flag when they should or they throw the flag on garbage calls. Anybody, anybody with a brain, anybody with eyeballs and a brain inside their head saw Christian Wilkins push Jalen Hurts and anybody with a brain and eyeballs and the cognitive ability to comprehend basic information, saw it unfold, and said, oh, anyways, what's going on down here with the ball down the field? Oh, there's a flag? Roughing the passer? What are you talking about?
0: Horrendous officiating over the weekend. Horrible. Horrible. Clean it up. NFL and NCAA, but mostly NFL. All right. Got that off my chest. College football week eight. College football week eight. Let's do it. Start from the top. We always go from the top. We always go uh, all the way down. From the top, I'm
1: talking rankings. Go over the score. You get it. If you listen, you get it. If you haven't, welcome to the show. But let's get into it. Uh, Number one, Georgia. Did not play this week. Had a bye. Didn't play. Not going to change their rankings. Uh, Number two, Michigan. Played Michigan State and beat them 49-0. to Woo! Michigan's good. Good football team. Number three, Ohio State hosted number seven, Penn State. Battle of top ten matchup. Both teams 6-0. Ohio State beats Penn State 20-12. Marvin Harrison Jr., 11 catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown. That guy's a freak. He's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. Penn State, number seven, uh. At Ohio State in that game, uh, they looked horrible. Uh, you know, they scored six, they score uh, 12 points, rather. They didn't let their quarterback throw the ball. Every single drive, they went run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass,
0: punt. I'll put it this way run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, first down,
1: run, run, pass, punt. That was their whole game. That was everything. The only reason they got field goals is if their punter punted the ball down the field, pinned Ohio State inside the 10, and Ohio State had to punt. In which case, Penn State would get the ball back at the 40-yard line. It would go run, run, pass, first down, run, run, pass, first down, run, run, pass, and kick a field goal. Because they got three points in the first quarter, three points in the second quarter, and six points in the fourth quarter. I had to go for two uh, and didn't get it. So, Penn State, I bet on them. They were my player of the day. They uh, stink. They are a bad football team. James Franklin is a horrendous coach against very talented opponents. So, take that how you will. But, Penn State, you guys, they had an opportunity. Penn State had an opportunity in that game against Ohio State to come out with energy, with enthusiasm, with a good game plan. Double-team Marvin Harrison Jr., air the ball out a little bit against Ohio State, and ultimately come out with a gigantic win for that program. Penn State had an opportunity to beat Ohio State and probably jump into the top four. Probably. Florida State would have slid up to three. Penn State probably would have found themselves at number four. Would have been a monster win. Monster win. And they just came out. Flat, came out with a bad game plan, came out playing scared. I watched that whole game. Penn State played with their tail tucked between their legs the whole game. And that's not just the players, the coaches included. The play calling was so scared and conservative. If you're going to go into a place like the Horseshoe at Ohio State and get a road victory against the top five team, you have to take it to them. You have to be aggressive. And you have to commit to one way or the other. And when you have a good enough quarterback,
0: and you, ha- and you can throw the ball, you have to throw the ball. But they just didn't. Let's take a look at the box score here. Drew Aller threw the ball 42 times.
1: 191 passing yards, one touchdown. And how about a 29.4 quarterback rating, according to ESPN?
0: Now, he didn't play great, right? No question. He didn't play great. But he, I think, was a microcosm of that entire team
1: and how they chose to perform, which was scared, zero aggression, zero attack. And I think more so as a lot of people say, and it's a stupid cliche in the sports media world, I think Penn State lost that game. I don't think Ohio State beat them. Ohio State played good enough to win, um, but they didn't play like spectacularly. And I don't think their defense played spectacularly. I just think Penn State was so scared. So soft. So, Ohio State takes down Penn State. Penn State's probably going to drop a few ranking spots. Um...
0: Yeah, it is what it is. Penn State, I mean, you guys, maybe you'll be in the, I don't know, probably not. Number four, Florida State played number 16, Duke. Beat them 38-20. to That game was a little bit closer. In fact, Duke was actually winning at half. They were winning 20 to 17. And
1: then no one scored in the third quarter. Florida State put up 21 in the fourth quarter. Beat them 38 to 20. So 38 to 20 is a little bit skewed because yeah, that game was a little tighter than the final score. Um, but Florida State, I think one thing about them, as many tight games as they've played this year, and I know I've said it before, you know, like, oh yeah, I don't know if they're very good, but ultimately, man, Florida State finds a way to win. And they find a way to put teams away. They find a way to stay engaged in the game late, uh, which is important. You play four quarters in football. You don't just play a half, right? Oh, they were losing a half. Okay. How did they play in the f- third and fourth quarter? Fantastic. I mean, they didn't score in the third quarter, but, you know, 20-17, first half. And then second half, they won, 21-0. to Okay. There you go. They won the game. So, uh, Florida State, 7-0. Duke's quarterback got hurt, too, which, I mean, always... Always hurts. Uh, but Florida State, yeah, seven and zero, good for them. Number five, Washington played a one and six Arizona State
0: team at home, and going into the fourth quarter, they were losing seven to three, seven to three, and then Arizona State had the ball in the fourth quarter. I think it was
1: seven to six, and they had like a fourth and one situation in the red zone. Arizona State went for it, threw a pick six, lost the game. 15 to seven, final score. 15 to seven, Washington beats Arizona State. I don't think Washington is that good. I think Michael Panics is average and I'm not going to dog him too hard, and I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be negative. Because obviously Michael Penix is talented. Obviously. But I think more than anything, all the Penix Jr. hype, as warranted as it may be for his statistics, I think it's pretty obvious with Michael Penix Jr. He played in the Big Ten. He was pretty good. Put up some pretty solid numbers. And then he goes to the Pac-12, and all of a sudden, he's a Heisman candidate. Why is that? It's, it's very simple, at least for me, and it's that the caliber of play in the Pac-12, the caliber of def- defenses in the Pac-12, the overall competition he's playing against, it's not as good as the Big Ten. Clearly, right? That's why, for me, when a guy like Bryce Young at Alabama or C.J. Stroud at Ohio State still puts up the same Michael Penix-type numbers in the SEC or the Big Ten— I know scouts think the same way, and they, they see where the numbers are getting put up and what conference it gets, which opponents, and they can tell when they're inflated versus when they are really solid numbers. And I think that's the case with Michael Penix Jr. I think he's good enough to play in the NFL, um, but I'm not sure how good he's going to be. Kind of the same way I feel about Bo Nix, kind of the same way I feel about Caleb Williams. I, know, I don't
0: think any of them are bad quarterbacks. I just don't know how good they will be. I think a lot of those guys are college quarterbacks, good college
1: quarterbacks. Typically that translates to middle to late round, maybe first round pick, and a couple years as a starter in the NFL, a couple decent seasons, maybe back up for a couple years, and then they're out of the league. That's what I think of Michael Panix Jr.
0: and Bo Nix. So Washington beats Arizona State 15-7. to um, They're still undefeated, but it's been a... It's just weird, man. You know, and I know that's just football. I know, you know, Washington can beat a
1: team like Oregon and then barely beat Arizona State. I get it. You know, I get it. But,
0: um, yeah, interesting to see. As I take a sip of my coffee here. Number six, Oklahoma takes on UCF. The old Dylan Gabriel game.
1: Dylan Gabriel, quarterback for Oklahoma, transferred from UCF. Oklahoma squeaks it out, man. 31-29. to Squeaks it out. Uh, beats UCF. They are also 7-0. So there's six teams that are undefeated right now. And, yeah, Oklahoma is the last of them. They are number six in the country and i haven't checked the rankings yet but i'd imagine they stay the same probably uh number 7 who was number 7 let me see i'll
0: just pull up the ap the old top 25 let's see here number 7 oh it was penn state yeah that's right uh penn state i said that Penn State lost to Ohio State.
1: Number eight, Texas played Houston. Another tight game, man. Tight game. Houston, three and three coming in. Texas, number eight in the country. And Texas edges them out, man. 31-24. Uh, God, just tight. Tight in the top ten this week. I don't know why. Uh, Number nine, Oregon. Played Washington State, beat them 38-24. to Pretty resounding victory. Uh, there, was another undefe- under, there was another undefeated team this week, and it was number 10, North Carolina. They were 6-0 at home. They played against a 1-5
0: Virginia football team, and they lost 31-27. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know.
1: I I don't know. I don't have much to say on that. I didn't watch the game. I have watched UNC play a couple times this year. They haven't really impressed me, but you would think they got their top receiver back from an eligibility situation that they would get better, and they didn't. So I don't know what happened. Uh, Number 11, man. Number 11, Alabama. Roll...
0: Roll... 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 Tide, roll... Uh, Alabama,
1: played number 17, Tennessee. The old third Saturday in October. Alabama beats them 34-20. First half, Tennessee was winning... 20 to 7 at half time. Alabama then outscored
0: them 27 to 7. No, 27 to 0 in the second half. And Alabama wins 34 to 20. They improved to 7 and 1 and 5 and 0 in the SEC. Uh, I think put it this way Alabama football has always had a very strong identity coming into every season
1: on one side of the ball a lot of times both sides they're gonna have a strong defense they got a pretty darn good quarterback or a great running back in the case of Derrick Henry or those types of guys you know they're gonna dominate the line of scrimmage they got an identity the the issue with this year's team that gave a lot of people a hard time in evaluating them, including myself is that they didn't have an identity, especially in the early parts of this year against Texas. They looked lost Um, against UCF. They're starting backups. They're benching their quarterback. Like it was a little shaky for them. Very shaky to start the year. They didn't have an identity Saban, I don't think knew how to handle this team. He had never had a young, youthful team like this without a true, like, dominant, number one, like, high first-round pick type talent on either side of the ball.
0: He's got great players, but Alabama's identity was non-existent for the first four and a half, five weeks of the season.
1: They've progressively gotten better as the season's gone on. Every game they've played has unfolded in a completely different way. Some games, they come out flat, they squeak out a W. Some games, they come out on fire, then they aren't able to sustain that for the entire game, still win. In the case of Alabama-Tennessee, they came out a little bit flat, a little bit shaky, and then the second half started of that game, and oh my God, did they look like the old Alabama team. If Alabama can find a way to bottle how they played as a team in the second half against Tennessee and duplicate that the rest of the year and every half of football they play, you better watch out for Alabama, dude. I mean, taking Tennessee in two quarters and outscoring them 27 to nothing with two touchdown passes from your quarterback, a rushing touchdown from your running back, a strip sack from your defense, that is Alabama football. That is exactly the Alabama everyone's used to seeing. And I think Tennessee thought after they beat them last year, This year, they've got probably about the same team. Maybe Alabama's a little bit more talented, but definitely don't have Bryce Young a quarterback. Tennessee thought maybe they could come into Tuscaloosa, walk out of there with another dub. And they were leading at halftime. And something clicked with that Alabama team
0: in that second half, and they turned it on. Big time, turned it on. Now, I know Tennessee, probably not as good as they were last year. But the way Alabama played in that second half, if that's a level of play, they can they can sustain the rest of the way. They might just find themselves sneaking right back into the college football playoff. Seriously, seriously. Who knows? But seriously. Uh, number thirteen, Ole Miss played Auburn, beat them
1: twenty eight twenty one. Ole Miss man, they're six and one. They're one losses against Alabama.
0: And then uh, the rest of their wins are just gritty, just gritty. Number 14, Utah played number 18, USC
1: at USC. And Utah beats USC 34 to 32. Lo and behold, USC is entirely a fraudulent team this year. I got nothing against Lincoln Riley. Like I don't dislike him. I have nothing against Caleb Williams. I don't hate him. But Lincoln Riley is all flash and no substance when it comes to head coaching. He can recruit pretty well. He gets talented players, gets decent, you know, line of scrimmage presence type guys. But every time Lincoln, Lincoln, Riley as a head coach has played against an opponent that is more physical,
0: that has better linemen, better defense. He always loses like every time. At Oklahoma, it was Texas and other teams
1: and every bowl game they played and LSU in the college football playoff at USC. It's been Utah and Utah and Utah every single time and then Tulane in a freaking bowl game. They beat everybody else by a, a bunch because they throw the ball over the yard and they've had Caleb Williams, but it's, it's similar story with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. Every time they've been matched up against a tough opponent, they really haven't looked that good. They haven't performed well. Utah had a backup quarterback, man. Walk-on against Caleb Williams. I don't care. If everyone's saying Caleb Williams is as good as he is, then that game shouldn't have been close because the quarterback's the most important position. And USC apparently had the
0: massive clear advantage. Then why did they lose? Because Lincoln Riley is a little bit fraudulent as a coach. He's not a bad head coach. He's not an idiot. It's
1: not that he doesn't know anything at all. It's just that anytime he's being, he's forced as a head coach to stop the run game in between the tackles or on the offensive side to run the ball in between the tackles or to throw the ball and have route concepts that it's necessary for his quarterback to have time in the pocket, right? All those things are right around the line of scrimmage. Anytime that's necessary from a
0: team that Lincoln Riley's the head coach of, they never come out on top. And from what I've seen from Caleb Williams,
1: every time he plays a bad opponent, he puts up video game numbers, as he should.
0: Every time he plays a tough defense, he looks a little bit above average. So. Again, I'm not hating on the guy. I think he'll be a good NFL quarterback. But he's not... He's not some transcending guy. Everyone's talking about it.
1: Oh my gosh. Caleb Williams. He's super big, man. He's super athletically
0: gifted. But USC loses. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see
1: where he goes, how that unfolds. But now USC has two losses... And they're done. Like they are done, done. Um, number 19, LSU played Army. Not sure how they're getting away with that on their schedule, but they beat them 62 to zero. 62 to 0. Number 20, Missouri played South Carolina and beat them 34 to 12. Missouri is seven and one, also three and one in the SEC. Number 22, oh, I was wrong about the undefeateds. Number 22, Air Force, played Navy. Beat them 17-6. to What a burner, huh? What a burner there. How about uh, Kitteman, receiver for Air Force? One catch, 94 yards, touchdown. (laughs) Uh, Air Force is undefeated. Good for them. I mean, hey, whatever, right? Good for them. Uh, Number 23, Tulane, played North Texas and beat them. Uh, we talked about the Iowa-Minnesota game. Iowa is a joke, but they should have won that game. Uh, they were number 24. Minnesota was unranked, and Minnesota beat Iowa 12-10. to 10. Woof. Number 25, UCLA, played Stanford, beat them 42-7, to seven, and that's your top 25. So this week, going into this week, I should say, uh, we'll take a look at some big matchups.
0: On the old sketch. Um, Let's see here. So first the AP top
1: 25. No changes in the top six. Texas moves up from 8 to 7. Oregon moves up from 9 to 8. Alabama moves up from 11 to number 9. Penn State drops to 10. Oregon State 11. Ole Miss 12. Utah 13. Notre Dame back up to 14 <laughs> two losses, but they're there LSU for some reason up four spots. I like I don't I I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they're number 15. Whatever Um, uh, I'm not I'm not dogging them. I'm not dogging them either. I'm just saying two losses I don't know. It's it's putting them ahead of Missouri or Louisville or Air Force. I don't know They're probably better than those teams actually, but Makes it better for Alabama next week because it's a tougher, you know, better rank. It's better for both teams. Whoever wins that game, um, you know, it'll look good. Missouri is at 16. North Carolina drops from number 10 to number 17. Louisville is at 18. Air Force is at 19. Duke drops from 16 to 20. Tennessee drops from 17 to number 21. Tulane, 22. UCLA, 23. USC, all the way down to 24, and James Madison at number 25. 7-0. So undefeated teams in the top 25, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Air Force. Wait, hold on, hold on. Back to the top. Undefeated teams in the top 25, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Oklahoma, Air Force, and James Madison. Love that list right there. Uh, Next week in college football, top 25 matchups. Let's see here. Oregon, Utah. That'll be a pretty good game. Uh, Eight, Oregon, 13, Utah. Um,
0: That's it. That's the only top 25 matchup next week. You got a bunch of kind of meh games. Uh yeah. Oh, let's see. Number twenty-two because at number eighteen,
1: Louisville. But yeah, I mean, I'm talking like uh,
0: I don't know. I, I want to see some college football playoff implications on the lot. You know. Um yeah. So not 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 a ton of decent games next week.
1: Uh, LSU is not playing. Alabama is not playing. They play each other the following weekend, which should be interesting. So that's it for college football. Moving on to the NFL. We're not going to spend a crazy amount of time. There wasn't like a ton of amazing games, if I'm being honest. Um, and the referees honestly were the story. They were the story of week seven. We got a game going on tonight. 49ers and Vikings. My play of the day is George Kittle. Anytime touchdown plus 135. McCaffrey didn't practice all week. Debo Samuel's out. You know, that leaves Ayuk and George Kittle. Give me a George Kittle touchdown. Come on. Give it to
0: me. All right. Uh Thursday night, you got Jags and Saints. Derek Carr, tough to watch.
1: I'll be honest with you. He's tough to watch sometimes. Um, he's just uh, ugh, I don't I just don't know. He's just it's a little bit cheesy, he's a little bit corny. Um Seems like a good enough leader. Seems like the guys follow him in New Orleans, but I mean, Jacksonville was just like handing them that game and they lost. So, Jags are five and two, Saints are three and four. Uh,
0: moving on to Sunday. It's a couple, a couple of interesting, uh, developments here. Um, I don't know if it's the pressure for Justin Fields. I don't know if it's the expectations. I don't know if it's the
1: messages being communicated to him from the organization, both off the field and during games. But I watched the Bears play the Raiders, and Tyson Badgent, the second-string quarterback for the Bears, looked way more composed, way more calm, way more effective than Justin Fields has looked almost the whole year. Fields had that monster game against Washington, but other than that, he's looked really shaky and made some really bad mistakes. Tyson Tyson
0: Badgett played mistake-free football, effectively handed the ball off when he needed to, and uh, he looked fine. I'd argue the Bears will have the same amount of success with Tyson Badgett as they will with Justin Fields. I don't know. Watch the game. Watch football. Badgett looked calm, cool, collected, under
1: control. No fumbles, no picks, nothing there. Take off
0: and run with it. Got a guy open. Got a check down available. Hit him with these. Don't miss the throw. And hand the ball off. I I mean, I don't know. Do I think Justin Fields is better than
1: Tyson Badgett overall in the long run, both from the college level and the NFL? Of course,
0: right? But, okay, that doesn't mean anything. You got to get to the league and then prove it. Saying if I'm the Bears and somebody's calling about Justin Fields, yeah, we'll give you, uh, you know, a first and a second, and a, a second round the year after. Um, I might do it. Load up with picks, man. Bears already have the top picks in the draft this upcoming draft. They got the Panthers pick. They got their own first round pick. I don't know. I don't know. Call me crazy uh yeah bears beat the raiders 30 to 12 browns beat the colts
1: 39 38 we talked about the officiating um browns had no business winning that game they should have never won that game they gave up 38 points deshaun watson barely played pj walker was back in uh colts losing that game is a joke uh the officiating was horrendous
0: and yeah it's a joke uh, Pats beat the Bills 29 25. Yeah, Mac Jones looked better. Um, the Bills are really starting to concern
1: me because I thought they were good, I thought they were a team that could give the Chiefs, uh, the Eagles, the 49ers. Like, I thought they were on that level, they are definitely not on that level. Josh Allen has not really looked very good this year. Bill's defense is down bad, both from a performance perspective and an injury perspective. I know that's part of having a sustained, long, successful season is injury luck, right? That's all a lot of that is, is, is luck, right? You can't control when guys get injured. But the Bills, every time they play a tough opponent, man, like a tough defense, like a good opposing head coach. Like,
0: they look really shaky. Really shaky. Um, And Josh Allen needs to stop throwing picks. Like, just stop throwing interceptions. But, I don't know. It is what it is, man. Bills will be fine. Probably win that division. As far as, like...
1: You know, Super Bowl aspirations. I can't see them beating Kansas City this year. So we'll see. Uh, Giants beat the Commanders 14-7. to Commanders are frauds. Complete joke of a team. Giants look better. I'm going to drop another hot take here, similar to how I feel about Badgett with the Chicago Bears. Tyrod Taylor for the Giants is better for that team right now than Daniel Jones will ever be. Especially for a head coach like Brian Dable, especially with the weapons they have at their disposal. I mean, Darren Waller, the Giants trade for him. They give up a bunch of picks. Everyone's hyping him up. And then Daniel Jones at quarterback, Darren Waller was worthless. Did nothing for them. And then in two games with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, Darren Waller's been the best tight end in the league for the last two games. Guy's been going nuts.
0: Tyrod Taylor can run a little bit. He makes better decisions. He's more seasoned. Gets the ball to Saquon Barkley. Both handoffs and checkdowns. I don't know. There's something about how a quarterback carries himself, how he conducts
1: his business as the game's unfolding, you know, as, as a locker room guy and also just on the field, it can inject life into these teams as they go about the game. And Tyrod Taylor is a spark to some degree for the New York giants. Daniel Jones is just a, he's a vanilla yogurt man i mean he's just you know it's it's there you know he can make some accurate throws you know he can run a little bit but like is tyrod taylor better than daniel jones i think so at least better for the team so interesting to see how that unfolds when daniel jones is healthy and available if i'm brian dable like i'm starting tyrod taylor guys then just as good as daniel jones if not better uh, Falcons beat the Bucks sixteen to thirteen. Falcons are four and three. The Bucks are three and three. The Bucks are super fraudulent. Also, um, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Ravens beat the Lions thirty eight to six. Lions laid an egg, right? Didn't play well. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. However, the Lions' defense is problematic. It's going to be an issue for them if they can't stop anything i mean they couldn't stop anything the whole game ravens were just moving the ball at will lions if they went three and out it was just basically like giving
0: the ravens another touchdown that's how it was um i feel similarly about the dolphins and we'll get to that Uh, But, yeah, Lions, you're good, but how good, right?
1: Steelers played the Rams and beat them 24-17. to 17. I hate the Rams. I hate LA, so it makes me happy when Los Angeles teams lose in general. Uh, that being said, Steelers shouldn't really have won-, won. I mean, not shouldn't have won, but I don't, I don't know, man. Like, are, are the Rams good or not? No? Okay. You know that's kind of how I feel. They're one and three at home. It's a joke, uh, anyways. Seahawks play the Cardinals,
0: beat them twenty to ten. Uh, Chiefs beat the Chargers thirty-one to seventeen. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one. The Chiefs are good. The Chargers are a joke. Like the Chargers are a joke of a team. They are like a laughing stock type of team. And they don't get that treatment, and I don't know why. Eagles beat the Dolphins we mentioned on Sunday Night Football, uh, 31-17. to uh,
1: The Lions and the Dolphins are the same team with the same problem, and that is they can score when things are going well for them, and when they're playing an average to below-average defense, and when they play a tough defense, they get shut down. And on the other side of the ball, their defenses in Miami and Detroit are nowhere near the caliber necessary
0: to keep them in a game if their offense isn't putting up points and early points. The Dolphins can score. When they play a tough defense like the Eagles and they don't score, their defense is a wet paper bag. And
1: with the Lions, they got Goff, who's been statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year, St. Brown, Montgomery when he's healthy, Gibbs. They got weapons all over the field, and they're putting up good offensive numbers, and they play play the Ravens. Harbaugh's a good defensive coach, and their offense doesn't score for the first quarter and a half. Game's over. Because they can't stop anybody on defense. It's 28 to nothing at halftime. The Lions and Dolphins, good teams, flashy, defensive liabilities. And I think long term playoff win
0: type things, they're not going to go very deep. That's okay. You got to play defense in the NFL if you want to win games. Fact.
1: The teams on the bye this week, there were six teams on the bye. I didn't even realize that, but. Makes sense. Bengals, Cowboys, Titans, Jets, Panthers, and Texans. Interesting. Uh, six teams on a bye. That's your final there. Uh, standings, real quick. And we mentioned 49ers, Vikings tonight. Uh, that should be a good enough game. Uh, let's see. Teams with the best record. Eagles are six and one. Chiefs are six and one. And then a bunch of five and two, four and two teams, right? You got Dolphins are five and two. Ravens are five and two. Jags are five and two. Lions are five and two. Uh, teams with two losses. Let's let's go with that. Dolphins five and two. Ravens five and two. Steelers four and two. Browns four and two. Jags five and two. Cowboys
0: four and two. Lions 5-2. Seahawks 4-2. Yeah, I don't know.
1: It is what it is, man. NFL is interesting. Last thing to touch on here quickly, we got Game 7, ALCS tonight. Rangers, Astros, Christian Javier, Max Scherzer. Astros are going to the World Series because Max Scherzer is not a good pitcher in the postseason. I don't know what it is, but he's not very good and has been horrendous the last few years in the postseason. Uh, I think the Astros come out on top. Astros go to the World Series. Kind of sucks to see the Astros in the World Series every single year, but they've earned that right. They're there. They're not cheaters anymore. They've got a talented team. They've built the organization in the right way. They've got good enough pitching, good bullpen, clutch hitting. That's how you win. Astros are exactly how you win in the playoffs. I hope they don't. I hope the Rangers win. Cause it'd be cool to see the Rangers, just a new team in the, in the world series. Also Phillies and diamondbacks game six Phillies lead three games to two. That series is over. Go back to the bank. Phillies are going to win by a million runs and I don't care who's pitching games over. So more than likely Phillies Astros rematch in the world series. Who knows? Um, I hope it's Phillies Rangers. I think that would be a really fun series to see. Um, yeah, regardless, that's what we are with baseball. Hockey's underway. Basketball's shortly around the corner. So either way, guys, hopefully you enjoyed episode 68 of the We Know Ball podcast. Again, my name is Ryan at We Know Ball Sports on Instagram and TikTok. At Ryan Knows Ball on Twitter. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, really, really, really appreciate it. Seriously, really appreciate it. Uh, We put the clips on social media. We give out our picks on Twitter. So be sure to head over there. Uh, Plays of the day. So far, we are eight and nine this year after a nice, cozy, ongoing four-game losing streak, four-pick losing streak, I should say. Hoping for George Kittle touchdown tonight to get us back on the right track. So. Hopefully you guys enjoyed episode
0: 68 of the We Know Ball podcast. Football, baseball, hockey, basketball, We Know Ball. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.